The message that we have today is about building an altar, or I, 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 as I was thinking about over our past few weeks, we've been talking about Abraham, or Abram, until God changed his name, but Abram was called by God to leave his country, leave his kindred, leave his family, his, you know, father, and go to a land that God would show him, and so he took off from Ur of the Chaldees, and they traveled somewhat a thousand, maybe 1,200 miles. And, you know, it wasn't a matter of getting on uh, TWA or United. It was a, it was Camel Airline. And uh, so they set out for traveling 1,200 miles, a thousand miles by camel. And it was after they had arrived at this place, after a thousand miles of travel, that God's again came to Abraham and said, or Abram, and said to him, this is where you're going to inherit it. This is the land that I promised you. And it was there that Abraham built an altar, and it's called Bethel. Bethel is the place where Abram built this altar to God because it was a place of remembering where God spoke to him. So in Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 7, and this is what it says, God appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your children. Abram built an altar at the place God had appeared to him. And then in Genesis 13, verse 4, Bethel, where Abram built his first altar, Abram prayed there to God. So what goes on in our life is we sometimes think of Abraham and how that God had spoken to him and taken him on this journey, this thousand-mile journey, and arrived at a place, and when he arrived there and God said, this is the land, it was there that he built an altar. And I was thinking in our lives, what do we do with important events? What do we do with important occasions in our life? We have birthdays we celebrate. We have anniversaries of marriage <laughs> that we will celebrate all of our lives. We have anniversaries and all these things that come into our life as a nation. We have the 4th of July, or the next one coming up is um, Memorial Day, what do we do on Memorial Day? Remember, we remember the people who had uh, died in the wars and f our families and friends. Uh, Fourth of July, Independence Day, President's Day, Labor Day, Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day. In our calendar, we have all of these places, these memorials. In our own lives, we have birthdays, anniversaries. These are our Bethels. These are our places that are important to us, places of remembering, places of saying, this is what happened on this occasion. Guys, how many remember when uh, your wedding anniversary? You have to ask your wife and say, oh, what time was it? You know, do you remember July 24th, June 24th? <laughs> Almost, June 24th. What year? 1492. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you heard of Abraham and Sarah? <laughs> David and Rhonda came over on the Mayflower. <laughs> so, well, whatever, you know, what do I know? Yeah, don't ever make a mistake with a teacher. You know, it's just one of those things, you know. But, um, but it's just one of those things that we, we look at, we have special occasions, we set them up. Well, the... the well, this week, I'll, I'll, I'll start with this one. This week, I was, you know, you, you pull up behind people, and you, you know, notice on the back of their car, people have bumper stickers. How many read bumper stickers? All right, 
I read bumper stickers. This guy had about 10, and they weren't on his bumper. They were all over the place, you know. And the one that seemed like the newest one he had, uh, that this individual, I don't know if it was a guy or, or whatever, a girl, whatever. But anyhow, on the back of his car was K-Love. What's K-Love? Christian radio station. I thought, well, that's pretty nice. Well, underneath this K-Love was this kind of faded out sticker, and it was a picture of a teddy bear chained to a wall with an iron thing around its neck, holding it to the wall, and it says, I don't play well with others. I mean, what, what kind of a message are we saying? You know, it's no wonder we're mixed up. That we, we look at our life and we're saying one thing and we're saying something else and it's like, what's going on here? So, if we, if we looked at our life and just for a moment and said to our, and if I were going, I, I didn't do this, but if I gave you a piece of paper and I said, take just a few moments and I want you to write down five positive things about you, Okay? And just in your mind, start rattling them off. Five positive things about yourself. Okay, you're done. All right, now, <laughs> I, I want you to stop and I want you to think for a few moments and write down five ne negative things about yourself. You ready? Start. Okay, you're done. How many finished the five negative? <laughs> we're very easily swayed to do negative things and we're easily swayed to look at things and, and find out what's wrong. And it's, it's really our educational system, it's teachers. Um, we have seven teachers in the congregation, though. But uh, um, we have, it, it, it's, it's, it's the idea that we, how many did you get wrong on your test? Yeah. It's not how many did you get right. It's, you know, and I, I think of it whenever our children, you know, when the little ones are growing up, I, I, I always remember that when the children are growing up, we celebrate everything. You know, oh, you, they smiled, you know, we celebrate their smile. We celebrate the moo and gooing and whatever. Oh, it's poo, you know. <laughs> you know, we celebrate that. And then after a while, oh, it's poo, you know. And we celebrate their first steps. We celebrate, you know, what, you know, their first words. We celebrate all these things. And then we stop celebrating and start correcting. And when do we, in our own lives, stop celebrating the things about our life and start looking at the negative things and start holding on to them? And you see, we all have bad characteristics and we all have good characteristics. Now, and, and the idea is that God says every good and perfect thing that comes to us is a gift from heaven. And I, I always like, and I know I've said this before, the, um, the scripture says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Well, in our society, a rainy day is a bad day. But if you live in a desert culture, a rainy day is a blessing. And so when the rain falls on the just and the unjust, the blessings of God rain upon the good and the bad. God has a way of blessing. So you see, as we look at our life and we begin to put together the things that are there, how does God look at us and how, does, how are we to look at ourselves as we look through the eyes of God? In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and this is God appearing to um, Solomon, and Solomon has just finished building the temple in Jerusalem, and God appeared to Solomon that very night and said, I accept your prayer. So because Solomon had prayed that 
God would bless and take care of the nation and bless the, bless the temple and things like that. And God says, I accept your prayer. Yes, I have chosen this place as a temple for sacrifice, a house of worship. If I ever shut off the supply of rain from the skies or order the locusts to eat the crops and send a plague on my people and my people, my God-defined people, respond by humbling themselves and praying, seeking my face, turning their backs on their wicked ways, their wicked lives, I'll be there ready for you. I'll listen from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land to help. The challenge is, as we look at the, the things that go on in our life, the good things, the bad things, the promises, the, the things we don't understand, that the things, the questions, the decisions we've made with all the good intentions and something goes wrong with them, God tells us that he wants us to humble ourselves. And what, why do we think of it as being humble? You know, humble yourselves and pray. It's very difficult sometimes to ask. To be in a position where the only outlet you have is to ask for help. What God is telling us in the scriptures is that we are to look at our life and to recognize that he is there to accompany us in our life. He is there to establish a right relationship with us. It isn't that what I have to do to make God happy. It's that God has made a way for us to enter into a relationship with him where he can empower us by his spirit and his word that will challenge the way that we think and to look at our life as a blessing from God rather than a curse. Looking for the good that God is bringing into our life rather than trying to put benchmarks around the bad. If my people, if my people, and who are God's people? The ones he insists in the scriptures, it says God defined people. Uh, if my people who are called by my name, King James Version has it, if my people who are called by my, my name shall humble themselves, the people who are called, in the scripture in the New Testament says that you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. You see, God is the one who calls our hearts, calls our lives to be in a relationship with him. God calls each of us to be in relationship with him. And this relationship that we have with God is not the one that he's marking down all the bad things. The relationship that we have with God, he is giving us his word, his promises, in order to shape our thinking and shape our understanding so that we can become what God intended us to be when we were, Scripture says, while I was yet in my mother's womb, he knew me, formed me, put all this stuff inside of me for me to become this person that he wanted me to be. And so all of life events and the things of life, we have the scriptures and the coming together of God's word and the coming together of our events, and we humble ourselves and pray, and what happens? God comes, and he shows up and he walks with us, turning our back on that which is evil. So if we humble ourselves and pray, what we are doing then is putting in place specific areas that God, we're asking God to intervene in our life. And when he does that, we're supposed to put those markers there, those altars. There's places of remembrance. You see, a lot of us are like this guy. 
He was driving around a crowded parking lot. There wasn't a parking place anywhere. Ever been there? We always have that happen at the gym. People are going to go work out at the gym, but they want the closest parking place so they can get in there and work out at the gym because they don't want to walk. But anyhow, we have, you ever go to a parking lot and it's just totally full of cars and you can't find one place to park and, you go, and the guy says, God, if you'll just give me a parking space, I'll attend church every Sunday. Just then a car backed out right at the first spot. He goes up there and pulls into the parking lot, and he goes, never mind, God, I just found one. <laughs> That's kind of how we are. You, know. Got you. you knew that. Okay. So the need then to build a place in our life that speaks of the God moments. A time in, well, what are God moments? Well, the psalmist says, I recall the many miracles God has done for me, for they are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about them. I cannot stop thinking about what God has done for me. <laughs> I cannot stop thinking about what God has done for me. And, and that's not like our culture. It's not like us. You see, and you know what teaches us differently is advertising, you know. Advertising tells us everything that we don't have. And everything advertising is done in such a way that if you'll just purchase this, buy this, you'll find happiness that you find, that's portrayed in the, in, the, in the ad. You'll find what you need if you have this but you don't have it, so therefore you need it, and you will go out and get it. And, and, I, and so we've built a whole society upon what we don't have because what that does is we are consumers. <laughs> Down in uh, some of the uh, foreign countries that, where they took, some, uh, took the um, plants and uh, moved them where they could make you know, products at a very cheap labor, uh, they built this one plant in this one area, and uh, everybody showed up, and they went to work, taught them how to work and everything. They got their paycheck, and the next, next day, no one came. Came back to work. And um, they went to them and said, hey, why aren't you working? They said, well, we don't need to work. We have money. You know, and they're very poor and impoverished and stuff. So what they did was they gave them catalogs so they could order things so that they would know what they need and they came back to work. <laughs> so we're kind of like that in our lives. We're looking for something that is out there. We're looking for something that is out there, out there. God is telling us to look here, inside of us, because inside of us is that place that he created us to be in that spot, that place, that gulf inside of us that only he can fill. And so as we look to the word of God and look to what's going on inside of us, there becomes this place that God is filling. And we need to remember, we need to remember the times in which God made a difference in our life. In the Old Testament, God commanded his people to celebrate certain feasts. He commanded them that they have to celebrate this every year, just like we celebrate the 4th of July. Well, say it's a command. Well, it's on the calendar. How many take the day off on the 4th of July and have a picnic? Nobody does. Okay, but uh, <laughs> we generally do that. Why? 
because it's a national holiday. They don't have that in El Salvador. <laughs> they don't celebrate the 4th of July in El Salvador because it's not their national holiday. It's our national holiday. We celebrate it. It's like, well, what are we doing? Well, I don't know. It's Independence Day. Well, what happened then? Well, you know. In the nation of Israel, when they were delivered from the Egypt, the Egyptian bondage, every year, Passover is a celebration of when they were delivered from Egypt. And we celebrate Passover with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ because he died on Passover, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Jewish people still celebrate Passover. It was commanded. Why? Because they were to remember when God delivered them from the Egyptian bondage. They have these holidays that they celebrate every year as memorials and as times to remember and to speak to their children about how God has worked in their nation's life at this specific time. So, when do we stop and celebrate specific things, spiritual things? We have anniversaries and birthdays and things like that. But what about spiritual things, spiritual birthdays? Spiritual times in which you know God really made a difference in your life and you marked it on the calendar and you've put it in place and that when things go not so well, we go back to those places because that's what happened to Abram. He built this Bethel, he built this altar and there were times later on in his journey that he became doubtful or questioned and he would go back to Bethel and he would go there and remember that this is the place that God had spoken to him and that he had this understanding that this place, this land, was to his descendants. So we need to do this sometimes. We need to do something very similar to that. We need to put ourselves in a place where we remember things that God has done for us. What this does, it builds our faith. It builds our faith, and it builds that we know that God, this spiritual reality that we have, has an in, a physical interaction with our life, in which a place and time when God took care of us. You know, we remember the time in which God protected us. We remember the time in which God made a way for us. We remember whenever you were alone and God brought somebody to your aid and helped you out and just met that specific need in your life. Do you remember when... God protected you from some, you shouldn't be here, you should be dead. And something happened to keep you alive. You know, growing up, I, you know, I'm old now, I'm remembering, reminiscing. <laughs> but I remember, I remember when, yes. <laughs> I remember being wrapped up in a power takeoff shaft on a tractor. You know, most people die. Have you ever been on a tractor running a machine and it's spinning around and it's, you know, you have a 120 horsepower tractor running a machine and I'm going to stop it <laughs> by getting my body wrapped up in it. And I remember getting wrapped up and I had three sweatshirts on that day because it was fall. T-shirt, sweatshirts, you know, whatever because then as the day went on you threw one off and threw one off and I was wrapped up in there and I was going down around and I just remember pulling myself out of it and I ripped a T-shirt and three sweatshirts off at the sleeve. I was strong, but I don't think I was that strong 
to rip three sweatshirts off and have three sleeves in a t-shirt. <laughs> so I went down to the house and I said, Mom, I need some new sweatshirts. <laughs> and I told her what happened and she began to cry. You know, because I should have died. And, you know, there's just, that's just one time. One time. And that was, well, was it a God thing? Did I, did I sense God? Well, I felt this pull, this urge to pull out of there. And I did. It was like, just like cutting butter. Just ripped right off. I can still remember it. Put the marks around my neck where you, you know, ripped it and tore it. And it was like, wow, that was pretty simple. I'm pretty strong, <laughs> you know. And then you look back over that and think, no, that was a God moment. That was a God moment. And those are times and whenever you feel in doubt and feel you question, you know, we, we need to look at the times in which God has brought something to pass in our life. You know, it isn't like our society, what can you do for me now? What can you do for me now, God? I know that happened yesterday, but what are you going to do for me now? How are you going to make this work? How are you going to fix this? But you see, whenever we have faith, we look at those times in which God came and worked, and we know that he is at work now, so that gives us a different perspective, a different approach to our life and to the problems and to the things that we face. Because God did it once, he'll do it again. He did it in the nation of Israel, he'll do it for us. He did it for friends or somebody else, he'll do it for me. And it isn't a matter that God's going, he did it for them, he's got to do it for me. No, God loves me for who I am, and he has a special plan for my life, and my things are not going to be like your things, and your things aren't going to be like their things, but God is still at work. Philippians 4, 7 is one of those scriptures that says, beginning at verse 6, Philippians 4, 7, beginning at verse 6, okay? <laughs> In case you were wondering, it's verse 6. Don't fret or worry. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers. <laughs> Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers. What are you concerned about? Well, then thank God that he is with you. Thank God that his presence is with you. His strength is yours. Promises are yours. And then begin to shape those worries, those concerns, into a prayer. God, I pray, I ask you. See, those are very specific situations, very specific needs that we are worried about. Well, just turn them around. It doesn't say forget about it. He says turn them around and begin to pray. Letting God know your concerns. Well, doesn't God already know everything? Yes, but he's still waiting to hear your voice. He's still waiting to hear your thoughts and your expre the expression of your faith towards him about what you believe that God can do in your life. So therefore, turn your worries into a prayer and, and send it to God. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, a sense of God's wholeness, isn't it that whenever we are, we feel incomplete that we worry? Something's going to be taken from us or something's not going to come to us. We worry. But there is a sense of wholeness that I find in my relationship with God that I am complete with or without this. And in that sense of completeness, I find that everything coming together for good. 
I'm not trying to make God, manipulate God. I've got faith, God, do this for me. I am allowing God to work in my life, and whether I get this or don't get it, it's, not, it's irrelevant to the sense that I am safe in the arms of my Father, and everything is okay in life and in the life to come, and therefore, God, give me wisdom and direction as I deal with this. Things are coming together for good. There is a wholeness. There is a sense of things coming together for good. And what will happen, it will come, and this whole sense of wholeness will settle you down. <sighs> I'm not anxious about it anymore. It's going to be okay. I didn't forget about it, and the need is still there. But I have a sense that I know that God is going to take care of this, and I'm waiting, that God is either going to give me instructions as to how to do it, someone else is going to bring it into my life, somehow it's going to be met, but I'm waiting patiently for God to direct, for me to be still or for me to act. God is there. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces our worry at the center of our lives. Christ displaces the worry. The person of Christ. Verse 8. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say your best, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on the things that are true. Things that are noble. Things that are reputable. Authentic. Compelling. Gracious. The best and not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Do you see how God is trying to shape our thoughts? Why? Because what we're thinking about is where we're going. <laughs> what we're thinking about is where we're headed. And God wants to renew our thoughts, renew our lives, to give us hope, to give us victory, to give us a sense that God is at work in our life and he has something for us to do. Not just something for us to get, he has something for us to be, to become. <laughs> and that, how can I arrive at what God wants this person to be if I am always anxious and worried and trying and striving? No, if we have a God-given goal, we can strive towards it. But just a random, we're asking God to direct us. Things to praise and not to curse. This weekend, um, David is in, uh, our son David is in uh, Chicago. He's at Willow Creek Church. <laughs> and uh, Willow Creek um, is Bill Hybel's church. And um, he, they are putting together seed packets for the gardening projects that David is doing in the communities, helping to do and coordinate in El Salvador. Um, yesterday, they had at three different campuses. They had twenty thousand volunteers packing seeds in, in containers for the seed projects in El, in El Salvador. Now, that's not the congregation. That's tw volunteers from the congregation uh, of Willow Creek and. Uh, um, in the, in the lobby of the church, the one church, David has a truck. Um, he has a chicken coop. It's on, maybe you saw it on uh, the um, webpage. 
He has a chicken coop. He had a couple of fake chickens in there. Well, somebody put a couple of peeps in there too now. <laughs> While he was gone for a week, they, they, the, the chickens had peeps. They're running around. And then he had, they're all fake, you know. They're not live ones, you know. They put a little fake, you know, running around, you know. Sorry. Anyhow, and then he has this place that's uh, it's under a uh, uh, plastic, and it's where a garden. And, you know, he had tomato plants, and he was saying, well, and this is all in the lobby of the one building, you know, so it's, you know, I don't know how many, it seats over 10,000 people, I guess. But uh, anyhow, this is where, you know, Willow Creek is supporting what he does in El Salvador. And here is this project that he's doing, and, and he say, well, wow, it's, it's affecting an entire country. And it started with just a few thoughts and a few, you, some of the, the, the monies that we receive go to help the people in El Salvador, help his ministry, help out with this. And here are people doing simple things that is going to make a difference in some family's life. And if we look at our life, how much of worry and regret and, and thinking of the ugly instead of the beautiful. To replace those thoughts with something good that we are giving of ourselves, and we're actually planting seeds of love and hope and graciousness, and these are the seeds of God in people's lives. Just because we're smiling and giving a handshake, give a hug, maybe somebody hasn't had a hug in a long time. Maybe someone hasn't had someone care about them. And just you caring makes a difference in their life. It isn't so the grandiose. It becomes these little things that make a difference. See, think on the things, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me. Put into practice what you've learned, what you've heard and what you've saw, what you've realized, do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. <laughs> God will work into you the most excellent harmonies. And the harmony, you know, we want to be one with God and one with his word and, and one with life, and, and we're part of this building and encouraging Put into practice what you have learned from me. Bring your thoughts into subjection. So we control our thoughts, we direct our thoughts by thinking of God and thinking of his praise, and then we build those places in our life as markers, monuments, our Bethels. Abram had one, in which we celebrate what God has done for us. Forgive. <laughs> Forgive and let it go. You know, let other people deal with their pains and sorrows that have hurt us. Forgive them and let it go. Because God has a purpose that we don't want to become entangled with that by these small, big, harmful, hurtful circumstances of life. So to be at the right place at the right time, to be in that place where God has a divine intersection of crossing someone's life, those become monuments. Those become places where God makes a difference in someone's life. That's why I do things. We did the bark for life yesterday. Rhonda led me around on a leash and I barked. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
sermon's almost over, preacher's getting funny. Uh, but anyhow, <laughs> trying to be funny. Uh, but the bark for life, you know, the things of the American Cancer Society, whatever we do, we represent God. And we want, and it's just the little things that make a difference. And if we have the right attitude about us, we can give that attitude to others. And it's not just sharing who we are. We want to be sharing who Christ is in us. Shall we stand? So when something good happens in your life, be sensitive. Be sensitive to recognize God is at work. When something bad happens, don't curse God. Ask God for direction and pray about it. To learn to remember the good things that God has done makes all the difference in, in our life. Because God has a future for us. We all have a past. Everyone has a past. But it's our future God is taking us to. Allow him to forgive us of our past and let it go. Allow, help us, God, to forgive those who, are, who have hurt us and maybe still are hurting us. Forgive them. Let it go. And allow the good things of God to come into our life. Let those individuals, let God take care of them. Forgive them and let it go. God, we place this in your hands. And whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm, decisions I'm making, God, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, Lord, now for each of us. Let your presence be upon us. Let your word touch our hearts and our lives. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our hurt that we have given to others. Forgive others, O Lord, who have hurt us. Let us let go of those things and go forward into the future you have for us, knowing that you have a plan. You have a purpose. You will bless us. You will cause these things to come together for good. Let us think on the things that are good, that are lovely, that are of a good report. There be any virtue, be any praise. Let us think on these things. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.